Hello friends, welcome to the Functional Nurse Practitioner Podcast. I'm a board-certified family nurse practitioner who believes in utilizing functional medicine strategies in order to provide a more comprehensive approach for optimal health. The current model of care in healthcare is very lacking, which led me down the road of functional medicine. Functional medicine is a systems biology approach, which looks at uncovering the root cause for the symptoms we are having in order to allow for healing versus simply applying a Band-Aid to the situation. I believe we need an integrative approach of both conventional and functional medicine in order to provide the best care possible. I have been incorporating functional medicine practices within my conventional medicine practice and have seen phenomenal results. I believe we need to level up our healthcare system so that we can actually feel better. Just a quick disclaimer that this podcast is meant for educational purposes only and is not meant to diagnose or be a substitute for medical advice from your practitioner. Also, if you like what you hear on this show, I would be real appreciative if you would leave a review on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you're listening from and subscribe to the show. Okay, on to today's episode. Today is our final segment of the cholesterol series. In part one, we discussed what cholesterol actually is. We learned that our body needs cholesterol in order to build healthy cells. Cholesterol is not only part of the outer layer of the cells, the membrane of the cells, but it is also the initial part of the steroidogenic pathway. In part two, we dove deep into LDL and HDL. We discussed that cholesterol cannot travel throughout the body on its own. It needs a friend. LDL is responsible for moving cholesterol throughout the body to the tissues, whereas HDL brings the cholesterol from the tissues back to the liver. If you missed either of those episodes, go back and listen to episodes 18 and 19. The information we discussed in those shows will help to build the foundation for better understanding your cardiovascular health. We dove deep into apolipoproteins in part three. We talked about their role in the regulation of lipoprotein metabolism and their impact on atherosclerotic disease. We also discussed the differences between apolipoprotein A and apolipoprotein B. That episode is climbing the charts of my most popular episodes and is currently at number five. In part four, we dove deep into the genetic component of cholesterol. Genetics can be a key factor in the development of chronic disease. But just because you have the genetics does not mean you will have the condition. An example of this, I finally got my Dutch test results. We talked in depth about perimenopause and menopause with Dr. Carrie Jones in episode 22. Well, my very sluggish COMT Valmet AA genotype, which is associated with a three to four times decreased enzymatic activity, my meter on the test, the one showing methylation activity, was perfect. Perfect. This hyped me up so much. What are some of the things I have been integrating into my daily life to help COMT? 
foods rich in choline, folate, B12, B6, B2, and also B3. I also supplement with methylated B-complex and my horrific headaches, cramps, overall poor mood, so much better. This is not an endorsement for supplementation. I do not believe in magical supplements, but I do believe in strategic supplements. This is something I highly recommend you discuss with your practitioner. Speaking of practitioners, friends, I have fabulous news. If you follow me on Instagram or Facebook, links in the show notes, then you probably already know that I am a new business owner. What business did you ask? Wellness, of course. Specifically, functional medicine. While my business will not be gender-specific, I do consider myself a women's health, particularly women's hormones, specialist. But I will also be serving males, non-specified, and non-binary. At the moment, my practice is focusing on individuals residing in Indiana. But I have many plans, my friends. Plans to not be limited by state lines. If you currently reside in Indiana and are looking for a practitioner who will swim upstream, someone who will listen and work with you to uncover the root cause or causes for why you feel the way you feel, head over to www.thefunctionalnursepractitioner.com and click the link to get on the waitlist. My website is currently being built, but I wanted to ensure you can get on the list to be notified as soon as my schedule is open. I foresee the wait will not be long, although I've got to say starting a business, in particular an LLC, limited liability company, is very time-consuming. I think I must have logged upwards of 60 hours in the past week, but it will be so worth it. No longer will I be confined within a conventional medicine box. No longer will I have to spread visits out three to four weeks at a time while my wonderful clients wait and wait. I posted on my Facebook page this past week that the future is very bright. And I don't just mean my future, but our future. I am here to serve and I will do everything in my power to guide you through whatever health concerns you are facing. Anyway, today we are getting into the nitty gritty of cholesterol management. This is a big topic. I will not be going down different medication pathways as this is dependent on your unique situation. Instead, we will discuss the basics, simple and effective management strategies that can be very beneficial not only for cholesterol issues, but also overall health. Let's start with a key component of abnormal cholesterol levels, inflammation. Inflammation is a key driver in most chronic conditions, but can be particularly dangerous with regards to our cardiovascular health. There are several different things to consider with regards to inflammation. And I feel that great sleep is one of them. We spoke in depth in episode 9, The Benefits of Sleep, about the downstream effects of poor sleep. I highly suggest you give that episode a listen if you missed it, 
very informative. There are times at night, usually around 2 or 3 a.m., I wake up and start thinking all about the things I need to do the next day. Or I start worrying about things I have not done the previous day. I think about what poor sleep can do, not only cause altered intestinal permeability, but also raise your CRP, an inflammatory marker. I start doing 478 breathing, clear my mind, and make the conscious decision to go back to sleep. And yes, it takes practice, but I make this decision because I want to be on an optimal health trajectory. Do you? What are some helpful herbs, phytonutrient-rich foods for inflammation? At the top of the list, in my opinion, is turmeric. Shout out to Dr. Shivani Gupta, the wonderful doctor I had on the show last week who earned a PhD in turmeric. Such a great conversation. I like to use the spice and I put it in my daily smoothie. I always add a pinch of black pepper and ensure that there is some type of fat in my smoothie to allow for proper absorption. Ginger is another anti-inflammatory plant that I absolutely love. I buy fresh ginger and peel and chop it into one-inch pieces and then store it in my fridge. In the mornings, it's so easy to grab a piece and throw it in my smoothie. Not only is ginger great for inflammation, but also nausea. I used to take Phenergan daily, promethazine, an anti-nausea medication that can have some pretty severe downstream effects. And to be honest, it never really worked 100%. As with everything related to our health, our symptoms, figuring out why we have Nausea, for example, is key. The ginger helped more than the Finnegan, but it wasn't until I uncovered that I had severe nutrient deficiencies that I was able to reverse my daily nausea. Now I use ginger mostly for the flavor. I love the spiciness, but it also contains antioxidants and I am all about doing all I can for my cellular health. With regards to our cardiovascular system, inflammation and also oxidative stress are important considerations, and ginger can be a wonderful addition for your health. Omega-3s. Omega-3 fats are an integral part of our anti-inflammatory pathways. Most of us likely have a higher omega-6 to omega-3 ratio. If you are eating the SAD diet, the standard American diet, as most Westerners are eating, there is typically a deficiency in omega-3s. If you are a vegetarian or a vegan, it is vitally important to ensure you are consuming adequate omega-3s. I love to use ground flax, usually two heaping teaspoons in my smoothie, along with chia seeds and also hemp hearts. Fatty fish like salmon, cod, sardines, all high in omega-3s. Spirulina, a potent superfood. Yes, I know that word is controversial, and frankly, I don't care. I've read the research, and I believe it is a superfood. But spirulina is a high-quality source 
of omega-3 fats. Source does matter. Make sure wherever you are getting your omega-3s from, fish, plants, check the source and opt for the highest quality available. Fiber. We all know that fiber is good for us, right? Our microbiome loves fiber. There are two types of fiber, soluble and insoluble. Soluble fiber is great for preventing blood sugar spikes. As it slows down digestion, soluble fiber can bind to cholesterol in the intestine and subsequently remove it from the body. Soluble fiber has been shown to reduce LDL by upwards of 11 points. Soluble fiber is found in plants. Think of lentils and other legumes, whole grains, vegetables, and also fruits. I put a great resource in the show notes, a handout you can print from the National Lipid Association. I suggest you print it out and stick it on your fridge. Insoluble fiber helps to keep us regular, which is so important. Ideally, we need to have at least one bowel movement a day for optimal health. Bowel movements are crucial for elimination of toxins and also for optimal hormonal health. The good news is, if you are consuming a diet rich in vegetables, nuts, seeds, and whole grains, you are likely getting necessary insoluble fiber. For total fiber, I recommend at least 25 to 35 grams per day. Most of us are probably not even getting half of that. My morning smoothie has at least 20 to 30 grams of fiber, depending on how I switch it up. So you know, I am starting my day off right. Garlic. Garlic is not only considered to be a great anti-inflammatory keystone player, but it is also likely to reduce the risk of certain cancers. Aged garlic has also been shown to activate the NRF2 pathway, therefore reducing oxidative stress. Aged garlic has also been shown to be helpful with lowering cholesterol and also inhibiting blood clotting. This is a very good thing under most circumstances. Before starting any new foods or supplements, always speak with your practitioner. Garlic is one of those things that can interact with medications. So, heed my warning. Garlic also contains sulfur, and you know how I feel about sulfur-containing foods. Friends, if you're having period issues, you likely need sulfur. Hey, I'm Italian. I am all about garlic. I put it in almost everything. Not my morning smoothie. (laughs) Not yet, anyhow. How easy is it to add a little garlic here and there? Let's zoom out for a second to the 30,000-mile view. What has been well-studied with regards to cardiovascular health? The Mediterranean diet. This diet is the most well-studied diet ever. There are, of course, different versions of this diet, but the research shows that diets rich in either extra virgin olive oil or nuts reduce the incidence of cardiovascular events. The Mediterranean diet can mean different things depending on the region of the Mediterranean. So we will talk about what has been well-studied. I always tell my patients, eat the rainbow. Aim for 30 plants per week. Shout out to Dr. Zwicky, who was on the show, and we spoke in depth about the microbiome 
episode 20, she talked about getting a large variety versus just aiming for servings of vegetables. Monounsaturated fatty acids, or MUFA, foods like olives and olive oil, avocados and avocado oil, flax seeds, cashews, almonds, hazelnuts, macadamia nuts, pecans, and pistachios. I love pistachios. These foods really help decrease inflammation and can also decrease the development of atherosclerosis. I also really like flax seeds in particular for their omega-3 properties, as I mentioned, but also as they have been shown to reduce LP little a. These things are very nuanced. Is saturated fat bad for everyone? No. Should we aim to consume more polyunsaturated and monounsaturated fats than saturated fats? Probably. Polyunsaturated rich foods are somewhat controversial, depending on who you talk to. Soybean oil, sunflower oil, canola oil. These seed oils are polyunsaturated fats, and there is a lot of research showing the cardiovascular benefit. However, there are other things to consider. Things like industrialization. What is the method of extraction? Does it involve toxic chemicals? I prefer to get my polyunsaturated fats from natural sources. Sources like sunflower seeds, tofu, and walnuts. I always opt for organic food because frankly, my health is worth more. I do not want any pesticides, herbicides, as they are massive endocrine disruptors, microbiome disruptors, and may lead to cancer development. I would say I mostly eat, if I had to classify my diet a certain way, in a Mediterranean fashion. I eat 95% plants and sprinkle in some eggs, meat, fish, chicken, etc., I do try to stay away from dairy as I get horrific joint pain. I will say, I recently had an intestinal permeability screening done, the Array 2 from Cyrex Labs, and I got an A. Okay, it wasn't graded, but no leaky gut. No lipopolysaccharides, no zonulin. If you're asking yourself right now, what is she talking about? Go back to episodes 7 and 8 where we go in-depth about these issues We need a healthy gut or our interventions for optimal health will not work. Some other key considerations for best cardiovascular health is to ensure adequate nutrients, in particular antioxidants like alpha-lipoic acid, which is a key cofactor for mitochondrial oxidative metabolism, vitamin C and vitamin E. We need minerals like magnesium, and also B vitamins, vitamin D and vitamin K. Also, don't forget about our friend CoQ10. Statins are the most widely studied drugs for lowering LDL and reducing your risk. If your provider suggests a statin, I recommend adding CoQ10, as statins will inhibit the body from making CoQ10, which is necessary for healthy mitochondrial function. Of course, Speak with your provider prior to starting any supplements or over-the-counter medication. There can be interactions. Some may be particularly harmful. 
If you're planning on having a coronary calcium score run, I advise doing this prior to starting a statin, as statins can cause more calcification, and therefore the coronary calcium score will increase. But it is believed that the calcification changes caused by statins reduce risk. Please, I cannot stress enough the need to obtain a coronary calcium score prior to beginning a statin, or it can greatly impact the understanding of the results. I had a client whose statin dose was increased following a coronary calcium score. She told me she elected to have this done as she had seen it advertised on her own. When she went to her yearly exam, even though her labs were stable, unfortunately, her provider raised her dose, not realizing that this is an expected result. There is some evidence suggesting that obtaining a coronary calcium score prior to any treatment initiation can be helpful as those who scored a zero have shown through research to have no benefit from statin therapy. Again, talk to your provider. Oxidative stress is important to consider with regards to our cardiovascular system. We touched on this briefly earlier, but some other key considerations for reducing oxidative stress are foods rich in flavonoids like apples, grapes, tomatoes, berries, onions, kale, tea, and also red wine. I love a good dry red wine. Vitamin C and E and also CoQ10 are very helpful with reducing oxidative stress. Something else I love, NAC and acetylcysteine. NAC is an amino acid, a precursor to glutathione. Glutathione is a keystone player with estrogen metabolism, amongst other things. Interestingly, I mentioned earlier that I got my results of the Dutch test. I am sending my estrogen down the carcinogenic 4-hydroxy pathway. Genetically, I knew this was possible. It was lit up on my 3x4. Seeing that I am, in fact, prioritizing this pathway gives me pause. How is my transsulfuration pathway? Rest assured, I will be tweaking my regimen. I am not afraid. One of the greatest benefits of running functional labs is the ability to change our trajectory based on those results. Anyway, I am still a big fan of NAC and will continue using it. I see great promise with regards to cardiovascular health, particularly its potential effect on reactive oxygen species. But NAC may have other benefits as well, including thyroid health, in particular, reducing goiter size. I will leave some links below, as usual. Next on the list, plant sterols. Vegetables and fruits, nuts, whole grains. Are you following along with the repetition? Well, plant sterols have been shown to have cardiovascular benefits, particularly with LDL, small dense LDL, and also ApoB. More of a reason to eat broccoli and broccoli sprouts. I picked up plenty of broccoli microgreens at the farmer's market yesterday. Love, love, love them. Blueberries, apples, beans, and lentils, walnuts, pecans, whole grains. We need to prioritize these foods for more than just our cardiovascular system. These foods are key for optimal health. Of course, with a poor cardiovascular system, we will not have optimal health. Berberine 
Berberine has been associated with lower cholesterol levels as it likely decreases PCSK9. PCSK9 activity can be a crucial component of cholesterol and is a target for big pharma. Berberine also may increase HDL, decrease inflammation, and also lower blood glucose. So it is a supplement of choice for someone with insulin resistance. It does have many drug interactions, so do not start any supplement without speaking to your practitioner. Green tea. Ha! <sighs> I love green tea. I spoke about green tea in episode four, The Benefit of Spices. Green tea may help lower LDL and total cholesterol as it inhibits HMG-CoA reductase, hydroxymethylglutarol-CoA reductase, is the rate-limiting enzyme necessary for cholesterol synthesis. Statins are HMG-CoA reductase inhibitors. Green tea is also an excellent source of L-carnitine. L-carnitine helps the body turn fat into energy. Yes, please. It also moderates oxidative stress. Red yeast rice. Red yeast rice has been shown to lower LP little a by upwards of 23%. Research has suggested that it is the most effective nutraceutical available for lowering total cholesterol and LDL. Interestingly, the chemical in red yeast rice, monosolin K, is the active ingredient in lovastatin. Moving on to black raspberry. Black raspberry extract has been shown to significantly reduce inflammatory cytokines and also decrease total cholesterol. The phytochemicals in black raspberry may also have incredible anti-cancer properties, especially with regards to head and neck cancers. The last thing we will talk about today is probiotics. Bifidobacterium and lactobacillus are the most studied strains with regards to high cholesterol. Lactobacillus acidophilus seems to be the clear winner for the ability to lower total cholesterol. Both Bifidobacterium lactis and Lactobacillus acidophilus can also reduce cholesterol absorption. Can we supplement with these strains? Absolutely. Can we eat foods, fermented foods, probiotic-rich foods? Yes. And this is my preferred way of maintaining a probiotic-rich diet. And on that note, I could talk about cholesterol management for hours, but hopefully you get the point. There are many things we can do to positively impact our cardiovascular health. And the most important choice you make is what you put into your body. If you have suggestions for a show, hit me up on Instagram. I love getting messages from you guys. If you would like to get on the wait list to work with me, head on over to my website, www.thefunctionalnursepractitioner.com. I have several awesome guests in the lineup, one of which is a best-selling author with two viral TED Talks. So if you are not subscribed to the show, hit that subscribe button and the notification bell. I would also be so appreciative if you would rate the show on whatever platform you are on. 
Five stars would be lovely if you are enjoying the show. And leave a review on Apple if you get a chance. I hope you have a great rest of your day, and I will see you very soon. Love you guys.